Turn with me, please. I have three scriptures I'd like you to read with me, please. Let's look at the book of Philippians first, chapter 3 and verse 13. I've entitled this message today, The Battle. Uh, the Battle, and I, it's going to be a little bit of a different flow, but I believe that you're going to receive something from it. Important. Uh, there's a strong encouragement that will come to people today if they'll open up their hearts. And since we just confess that our heart is open, I believe it will happen. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 13. Brethren, I count my, not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 3. Read that verse 14 again with me. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That word press literally means to pursue with great energy, oppressing. Now, have a look, please, if you would, with me in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17. I know these verses don't seem to uh, connect to each other, but they do, because I want to share something with you that happened during prayer meeting on Tuesday morning this week something supernatural that happened. And uh, I need to give you some scripture as a base and foundation. First Samuel chapter 17 and verse 41. First Samuel 17, verse 41. And the Philistine came on and drew near unto David. And the man that bare the shield went before him. Now we were just down in Gatlingburg and I wouldn't advise you to go because there's actually demons in that place. And I didn't know. The Lord didn't prompt me or warn me or anything. When I got in there, I said, oh, my God. And so, and even Luke said, Daddy, we, there's devils here. <laughs> He's only six. He said, we need to go. So we, 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 we had paid all the money, but I said, okay, honey. We, we didn't stay very long, and we left. But Ripley's believe, it, Ripley's, believe it or not, museum. And Ripley, which I didn't even know this, was a, very, a man that was fascinated with all things odd and weird. And uh, I guess I should have researched before I went, but I was just trying to do something fun for them, you know, in between services. And, uh, and so he, you know, he'd gone all over the world and he had collected weird artifacts and there was things in Hindu temples that were things that they worshiped, demon gods that were there. And then there's weird witchcraft. There's just a lot. There's some stuff, a lot of that's innocent, but a lot of it is not innocent. And it brings an atmosphere anyway. And I trained my kids, you know, so, you know, <laughs> it's like a little mini Lester Sumrall. He's so cute. Little, little, little mini. There's devils in here, Daddy. There's devils here. I can feel them. I said, yes, I know, honey. <laughs> but I paid money. We're going to get our money's worth. No, no, no. We're out of here. We're out of here. We're out of here. But one of the things, uh, Mr. Wadlow, uh, from, I think he died in 1930 or something, but he was that ton of, he only lived 22 years old, the tallest human being in, in, in recent history. And he was not, one inch shy of nine feet tall. And so they had a life-size statue of Mr. Wadlow. And so I, and I know Goliath was nine and a half feet tall. So I stood beside, I should have put the picture. I didn't think about it until right now. I had them take a picture. I wanted to see what Goliath would look like beside me. Just so, it's amazing how tall, and Goliath was six inches taller than that. So when you look at Mr. Wadlow and you, and you look up at his eyes, it's like, my God. And then imagine that he's a warrior and he's muscular and he's got armaments and he's got, you know, he, he's, he's dressed up as a, as a warrior. It, it's an intimidating thought. So when it says the Philistine, I mean, this is who we're talking about. Wadlow on steroids, steroids and full of demons. 
Verse 41, and the Philistine came on and drew near to David. The man that bared the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked upon, about and saw David, he disdained him for he was but a youth and, and ruddy or redhead and of a fair countenance. He was handsome. And the Philistine said unto David, am I a dog that you come to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David. He pronounced curses on him by the gods of the Philistines. And the Philistine said to David, come to me. Now watch the terminology. And I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Notice who he threatened. He threatened David and only David because that's what the enemy is. He's a wimp. He just threatens you. He don't want to take on me. He don't want to take on you and your husband or you and your wife. He's a don't want to take on you and your church family. He just take on you. He picks on you. But David, it says in verse 44, Verse 45, and then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of angels, the God of the armies of Israel. See, he's talking about the angels because the angel's about to assist him and make that stone turn into a bullet. Whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver you into my hand and I will smite thee and take thy head from thee. Now watch. And I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day under the fowls of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all the Lord may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord and he will give you into my hands. In other words, it's not about your physical strength. It's about faith in God and his anointing and his power. And I come to you with something greater than a weapon. I come to you with a name. Now he still used a weapon. He still used a stone. But, but the name behind the stone made the stone turn into something that was indestructible. I want you to notice he says, I'm going to take you and your whole army. See, the devil just pick on you. But the spirit of faith on you will take an army. You say, but well, why would David say that? Doesn't he? Well, I believe, I believe that David knows they're afraid. His people are afraid. He knows he's the only one that's got faith. I believe that the spirit of faith and the gift of faith, which is beyond human faith, was on David at this point. And he was saying things under the gift of faith because no normal human being in their own faith would say to an army, I'll take all of you. There's thousands of people. But I want you to know something which most people don't know. If you study, I won't get into all the details, but if you study uh, Samson, was David wasn't alive during Samson's time, but, but Samson died very shortly before David was born. In fact, Saul knew Samson. If you study it, he was alive at the time of Samson and he would have known him. He was a judge when he died, you know, then all of a sudden that turned and Saul became king. Saul would have known Samson and would have known his exploits. The people of that generation were very aware that Samson killed a thousand men with a jawbone. That, that, that they were raised on the legend of Samson. David as a child would have heard stories about a man that just recently passed away, not hundreds of years before, just recently that, that his contemporary Saul knew him. This man, the anointing came on him. He didn't even have a proper weapon. He just took a jawbone and he killed a thousand people with it. And here David is saying, now the anointing is on him and he's raised on that legend of Samson. Do you understand? And the spirit of faith is on him. And he's looking and saying, if he can take an army, I can take an army. I'll take all of you. You see, the spirit of faith literally changes you. I didn't say just say the gift of faith. I said the spirit of faith. Paul talks about the spirit of faith. 
that we having the same spirit of faith do speak. We believe and we speak, having the same spirit of faith. There is the word of faith, there is faith, but there's something called the spirit of faith. It's an attitude, it's an aggression, it's, a, it's something that God puts in you that is unafraid of enemies. The spirit of faith often gives way to the gift of faith, but not necessarily all the time. The spirit of faith has come on me, and then sometimes the gift of faith will come, sometimes it doesn't, and I'm just using my own faith. But the spirit of faith is an, is an attitude that says, hmm. when sickness comes, you go, no. That's the spirit of faith. You can use your faith, but not have the spirit of faith. You can say the prayer of faith and release your faith, but do it in kind of a weak and afraid way, but you're still technically operating in faith. Or you can release your faith, but with a, with a snort and a snout and a, I know who I am. I do not permit this in my life or in my wife's life or in my kid's life. Do you understand? The spirit of faith that Paul talks about is an attitude. David had that, plus he had the gift of faith. And then I notice here that the Bible says uh, in verse 48, and it came to pass when the Philistine arose, see, he was still sitting. David hadn't even seen how tall he was yet. Big words from a little kid who they say was between 16 and 18. Big words to a monster. He's sitting. Then he stands up. Now, that's the moment where if David didn't really mean what he said, he could say, now, hold on a second. Let's talk about this. We're going to negotiate. I have a board of negotiators. We're going to figure out a deal. Because that was the moment that if, he's, if, he, if the spirit of faith and the gift of faith is not on him, he's going to back down when he sees how tall this monster is. But the Bible says he stands up in verse 48 and goes near to meet David. What did David do? And David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. He's running. A single little guy. And this monster, nine and a half feet tall. And he's running. And later, I won't read it for a second time, but the, but the king says to Abner, his captain, he said, when he saw David run, he had, see, there's something about the run of faith. When you run toward the enemy in faith, even the king marvels. This, the devils marvel. Goliath marvels. Because there's no rhyme or reason why a man would run. Except God is in him, on him, saturated him. And there's no fear, not even a one microcosm of fear. It says when he saw him run, he said, whose father is he? And Abner says, of a truth, I don't know. Then they found out it was Jesse. And Jesse trained him. But God the father trained him. Jesse couldn't train him to be like that. God trained him. To, why he said, whose father is he? Because fathers taught the kids war. What kind of a father could teach a child to run like that? Well, it wasn't Jesse that taught him that. It was God that taught him that when he was in the fields with the lion and the bear. His heavenly father taught him how to have the spirit of faith. I want you to see that I'm talking about the spirit of faith here. Are you with me? Now, would you turn last scripture, please? Is in the book of Numbers chapter 11. So turn to the left. Numbers chapter 11. And there's so many we could read, but I'm only going to read a few of them to you. But just to give you a context, let's start with verse 1. And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. He doesn't like complainers. And the Lord heard it. He hears what you say. And his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burnt among them and consumed them that were in the uttermost part of the camp. So some of them even got smoked. And the people cried unto Moses. And when Moses prayed unto the Lord, the fire was quenched. 
And he called the name of the place Taborah because of the fire of the Lord burnt among them. And, and the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting. And the children of Israel also wept again and said, who shall give us flesh to eat? We remember the flesh which we did in Egypt freely. The cucumbers, see, they were liking their salad. And the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now our soul is dried up. There is nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. And the manna was a, as coriander seed and the color thereof is the color of Bethlehem. Well, why am I reading this? I have no idea. <laughs> Praise God. This is the right chapter, right, Lord? Let <laughs> me just uh, make sure that I'm in the right chapter. I thought it was... Uh, no, this is the wrong chapter. I'm thinking that doesn't, I don't remember reading that this morning, but maybe I wasn't paying attention. Uh, maybe there was something in there that I didn't see. Just hold on a second here. Can you bear bear with me? I was so excited about this that I, I think I've got the wrong chapter because that didn't, that wasn't what I read this morning. And I'm thinking I must've missed it. Oh, 14. That's why, because it's in chapter 14. <laughs> okay. Very good. Jennifer, don't do that when you preach. <laughs> Write down the correct scripture verse. And all the congregation lived. It was nice to know that the coriander it was like coriander. You learned something about manna, and you learned about not complaining, and you learned that God smoked people. I mean, this is all good Bible doctrine. Not really for the New Testament, but it's good Bible doctrine. And all the congregation, chapter 14, verse 1, lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. Remember, they were complaining. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. The whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt? Or would God we had died in this wilderness? And wherefore has the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return to Egypt? Because remember, they're cucumbers. They like the Egyptian salads. Remember that? That's why we read it to you so you'd know that. Amen. And they said to one another, let us make a captain. Let's leave this loser, Moses. Make a new captain. Let us return into Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their face before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel and Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spoke unto all the company of the children of Israel saying, this is Joshua and Caleb, the land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, meaning if you'll talk right, because he doesn't delight in you if you don't talk right. You're not talking right. But if you'll talk right, if, you'll if the Lord delight in us, why? Because we're talking right. Then he will bring us into this land and give it us a land which flows with milk and honey. Only rebel not. And then when you talk wrong, you're in rebellion. Against the Lord, neither fear. When you're in fear, you're in rebellion. Neither fear the people of the land. Watch, for they are bread for us. Their defense is departed from them. And the Lord is with us. Fear them not, even though they're giants. And the congregation didn't like that kind of preaching. And they wanted to kill them. Stone them with stones, they said. And God gets angry and says, I'm going to kill every one of them. And Moses pleads because he was such a kind man and a merciful man and a meek man. He pleads with God, don't, I'm giving you the synopsis. He says, if you kill them, everybody will hear. And they'll know that you broke the covenant. And they'll know that you're not the God that we thought you were. I mean, Moses is like a lawyer. I mean, it's amazing how he talks to God the Father and turns away his wrath. Just like Jesus, he was a type and shadow. Jesus would turn away the wrath of the Father and take it. That's why Moses said, take me out of the book of life. 
but save them. You see, that's a type and shadow. Jesus said, take me out. And Jesus temporarily was taken out because he went to hell. But then he was restored. That's why it's such a powerful example between Moses and Jesus. But I want you to pay close attention here to this. Go down with me, please, to verse 21. And it says, but as surely as I live, all the earth. This is after he says, okay, I'll be merciful to the people in verse 19. And then God says to Moses, but as surely as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. In the face of insurmountable odds, Jenny, and a rebellious group, God still said, as I live, my glory is coming. I don't care what it looks like in the church world today. How many people, we've just heard some sad news about Hillsong and he's come out that he's a drinking problem and that there's this sexual immorality and this pastor from Hillsong is stepping down and that pastor is stepping down and this nonsense and that nonsense. It's exactly what the prophet Dr. Dufresne said would happen. He said, when you get casual with the world, when you get casual with drinking, when you get casual with the other opposite sex, when you get casual in your dress, you open a door and it's a, you might get away with it for a few years, but casualness will lead to sin. Exactly what he prophesied is happening today in the mega churches. Not all of them, of course, but some of them. Are you with me? And so God says the glory's coming. No matter what's happening out there, he says the glory's coming. If the glory of the former house was going to come, the glory of the latter house, which is our house, Tyrone, which is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the word and spirit people ushering in the return of the king. If the glory of that house was great, the glory of this house is going to be greater. I'm just letting you know, God's saying, even though I'm facing a rebellious group, I'm telling you my glory's coming. And I, I, that encourages me because it's like God knows what's happening on the, on the world scene, on the Christian scene. And I believe he's still saying the same thing. As surely as I live, my glory, the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Now watch now. Because all, all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt. So what did God equate? Part of the glory is miracles. It's not just a cloud, it's miracles. They saw, when you see miracles, you've seen the glory. Uh, in the wilderness and have tempted me these 10 times and have not hearkened to my voice. Surely they shall not see the land which I swore to their fathers. Neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. See, when you don't trust, when you speak wrong, when you're afraid, when you're rebellious, those were all the adjectives used. The Bible says that you provoke God. And he says, the ones, listen, my glory's coming. It just won't come through this generation. It'll come through the next generation. It'll come through David. It'll come through Solomon. It's coming through Jesus. It's coming through the church. But the earth is going to be filled one way or the other because I say so, says God. And I can't do it through this generation, but I'm going to do it through the next generation. Remember, because the next generation accomplished what God wanted by taking the land. But notice he says here, none of the people that provoked me are going to see it. But now look at verse 24. Oh, I love it but my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and has followed me fully. Him will I bring into the land whereunto he went and his seed shall possess it. And they say that Joshua was much younger than Caleb. They say Joshua was in his 20s and Caleb was 45 when this happened. And 40 years he wandered. He was the oldest man because everybody 20 and under lived. Everyone 20 and over died in the wilderness. So when the people looked around, there were no gray beards. The only one. They would have revered him. Look, there's Caleb. Look, we don't even know what it looked like to see an 80-something-year-old man. Everybody's dead who's that old. Look at, look at Grandpa Caleb. 
And he's, I don't know what he looked like, but Jews have beards. He probably had a long beard. And he's 85 years old. Praise God. Actually, technically, I'm wrong. He was 40 when this was spoken. He was 80 when they took the land. And then Caleb, because he wasn't selfish, spent five years fighting for Moses so the other tribes could get their peace. And after five years of conquest at 85, he said, give me this mountain. Can you believe? That's called the spirit of faith. And the Bible says that mountain stronghold, uphill, Worst possible place. We've been there. We've been there in Hebron. It's very hilly. And there was a mountain stronghold. And the giants lived in the stronghold. Not only is it hard to get it militarily, just normal. But now you've got giants, seven, eight, nine, ten feet tall like Goliath. And that's their home. Not just one Goliath. A whole family of Goliaths. And you've got an 85-year-old guy. And he's saying he don't have no cane. The Bible says his eye was not dim. He didn't have contacts, not that they had him. He didn't have glasses, not that they had them either. But his eyes were bright. His, his body was strong. The Bible said the power of God kept him strong. And at 85, he said, give me the mountain. And he charges uphill toward giants. Can you imagine the young people of that day? Look at Grandpa Caleb go. Look at him go. What kind of a human does that? Is he on cannabis? Is he on CBD? Is he on cocaine? What is he? Who is he? What is he? He's not human. Humans don't do that. But humans saturated with God do things that nobody else could imagine they could do. Humans that have God face cancer when the doctor's trying to comfort you and say, you're going to die. And you say, I shall not die, but I shall live. When they came to doctor and they said, you're going to die, you got cancer, it's in the bones. And he looked and he said, thank you, doc, I'll take care of it. What do you mean you'll take care of it? I know stuff you don't know. Well, you've been to medical school? I'm, I'm ad-libbing. I don't think the doctor said that, but I'm thinking he was thinking it. And doctor just went to the father. Where did I open the door? And God told him, you won't rest. Another time he got cancer twice. You're not treating the prophet's office right. And he said, okay, I repent. And God said, within 30 days, all that will be gone. And within 30 days, all of it was gone. And the doctor said, I can't understand this. It was a death sentence. He said, I told you I know more than you. I know God. I'm telling you, the spirit of faith and a humble heart can get you through anything. It gets you through anything. You got to have humility. You got to be teachable. But that spirit of faith mixed with that humility will get you through anything. I want you to know that Grandpa Caleb was, in a, was a sign and a wonder in his generation. You got to remember that he was the only old man around. Do you understand that? Everybody else, the very oldest person at the time, you know, that they did the conquest was 20. So when he was 85, the oldest person was 25. At 25, looking up to an 85. And they've never seen an old man with such vigor and strength. That's why when you have the spirit of faith, when you have humility, when you put God first, when you walk in faith, 
when you live the word and you're close with God, you should never go into an old age home. You should never have dementia. You should never lose your mind. You should never have a walker and a cane. Now, if you haven't, we'll be merciful because we understand not everybody lives like this. And some people get saved well into their life and now they're trying to play catch up. We don't judge people. But I'm saying if you're young or even if you're old, if you will saturate yourself in the presence of God, if you will give yourself and give yourself to God and get the spirit of faith about you, and when you feel weakness, you say, no. Get off me in Jesus' name. If Caleb in a lesser covenant at 85 can take giants, I in a better covenant in my 40s or 50s or 60s or whatever, I can certainly get on a treadmill. I can certainly walk to the store. I can certainly remember who my wife is. I'm not attacking anybody that's struggling because they haven't heard this. But anybody that hears and lives it, they will not live like the world. You'll be going in your 90s into the old age home to help them and to bless them and to love them. And then you'll say, toodaloo, I'm on my way home. And I'm driving my own car. And I'm independent and I'm sound of mind and I'm strong in body. That's how we should end our life. But you got to listen to the Holy Ghost with diet. You've got to be humble. You've got to be teachable. And you've got to have faith. Are you with me? I'm giving you scriptures on purpose. One, because Caleb, Joshua and Caleb had the spirit of faith. And they said, it is a good land. Let us go up at once. Stop talking negative. We can do this. They are bread, but I'm going to consume them like I'm having breakfast. Their defense is gone. And then they didn't listen. But 40 years later, 45 years later, Caleb has still got the same spirit of faith. And so does Joshua. And he's there taking the stronghold of giants. And it was given to him as a testimony for all time. This is Caleb's because he had a different spirit. When God looks at you and says, happy, has a different spirit. What? What a privilege for heaven to witness that we're not like the rest of the world. That's an impartation, whether you realize it or not this morning. David had a different spirit. That's why he said, I'll take all of you. And he ran. He didn't walk. He didn't jog. He didn't have a a negotiating team. He ran and he overcame. Paul had a different spirit. And he says, I've gone through a lot. I'm responsible for the deaths of men and women. There's so much I could be condemned about. But I choose to forget my past. And I choose to press, press, press forward. There's a shout from Paul in the realm of the spirit. Press, church, press forward. What holds you back? Your past. The guilt of your past. The condemnation of your past. You got to forget it. I didn't say keep sinning. You got to live right and be humble enough to repent. But if you're humble enough to repent and you got faith, press forward. Are you with me? I have to give you scripture. Because on Tuesday morning at the prayer meeting around quarter to 12, I didn't have an open vision where my eyes were open and I could see like I'm seeing you. I had what Dad Hagen called a closed vision. I could see it, but my eyes were closed. But I had a vision. On that, I was standing right here when I had it. Taylor was starting to pray. And I, my, my eyes were opened in the spirit, but they were closed in the natural. And I saw a scene played out before me and the Lord started talking to me. I went to the green room right away and I immediately got my record rod and I started saying into the phone what I heard God say because I didn't want to forget it. 
And he said, tell them this on Sunday morning. Now I want you to listen from the bottom of your heart tonight, today, because I believe it's going to help you. There has been a strong pressure against Christians in general during COVID, but against this church specifically from January 1st. I don't know if you felt it or not, and if you haven't, I wish I was you, and I'm glad if you haven't. I'm glad if life has been normal, but there's been person after person after person after person that has come to me and said, Pastor, I don't know what is, I don't know if I've done something wrong, but everything seems to be going wrong. Everything seems to, the devil's just, I just feel the pressure. There's so much pressure, and I have said even publicly, the pressure has been great. I don't tell people what is going on, but the pressure has been great. Pressure in my family, pressure financially, pressure in my health, pressure in relationships, pressure, 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 pressure. And people have told me, so if you have not felt like that, then just thank God that you escaped it. I'm really, I mean, I'm happy for you. But if you are one of the ones that have felt that pressure this year, then let this message be a great strength and encouragement to you. Because I'm telling you, the days are, they're changing. And Greg, I saw in the spirit realm, I want to describe what I saw, if that's okay. I saw a battle scene, what looked like an ancient battle scene. It looked like an ancient, like, like long before Christ. I don't exactly know when, but they had those kind of implements like what you would see in the movies with like the Battle of Troy or, or the Battle of Thermopylae or that kind of, they had those kind of ancient warfare things, shields and spears and javelins and swords. It wasn't modern warfare. And when I saw it, it's like I was, I was low on the ground and I was looking upward I was looking, their feet were at my eye level, their, their ankles were at my eye level, but I was looking upward. The scene changed a number of times, but I was looking upward and I was seeing, I was just in front, and I was seeing a row of warriors that were in perfect, perfect alignment. I saw this row, and then I saw their feet, I saw their feet move forward like this. <clears throat> Their feet, they, it's like they were all standing and their shields were up and, their, and they were pushing. I didn't see what they were pushing against at first, but their feet went mm, like that. And then mm, like one foot at a time. And there was great effort being made as they pressed. And I heard the Holy Ghost say these words. That's where you are now, son. Press, press. Unity is so important. They, do, they had to do it, this army, whatever I'm seeing, which I know represented us. They, or us, had to do it together. But press. Don't look at the pressure against the shield. Press forward. <laughs> then the scene changed. And I saw, now I already know this in the natural, Okay. But I saw the scene from the Battle of Thermopylae with Leonidas, the Spartan king, when they went against Xerxes, the Persian king. He had 300 warriors against a million. You've heard of that. And I saw this scene, which I've seen in a movie, where the guy says, the commander says, our arrows will blot out the sun. And then they loose, I mean, can you imagine hundreds of thousands of men loosing arrows at the same time and in that movie you could see them coming and it literally darkens the sun 
And the men, the, the Spartans put their shields up and crouch down and this rain of arrows is falling all around the 300. But in that, one of the warriors, when the guy says, our arrows will blow out the sun, one of the warriors said, well, then we'll fight in the shade. That's an amazing statement. In other words, you're trying to intimidate us. You're trying to make us afraid, Goliath. You can do that if you want, but we're going to look at it as a positive. I'm going to fight in the shade. I'm still going to beat you. I don't care how many arrows you got. I'm going to beat you. You understand? And in that movie, you can see them laughing as the arrows are falling around them and they're laughing. <laughs> a couple of them are laughing. And the one guy says, what are you laughing about? And he goes, don't you remember he said, we'll fight in the shade? And they're all laughing while the rain of arrows comes and they stand up stronger than before and to decimate the enemies. But, there, but there's a spiritual equivalent to that. And I was, so I said, Lord, I wonder if that's actually real, what I read there, it, what I heard in that movie. I wonder if that's actually real. Did that actually happen? So I did some research. And there was one of the main commanders of the army was named Dynicus. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but Dianicus or something like that. He was one of the commanders of the 300. He was Leonidas's right man, right-hand man. And there's, and actually Cicero, there's about, there's about five different Greek philosophers that quote him hundreds of years later in their writings. So this is not just a make-believe Hollywood thing. This was proven in Greek culture that this man, Dynicus, he made a statement. It's a little, little different, but he said, he said when they said, it actually wasn't the enemy that said it. It was one of their allies who was not in the battle who had heard the enemy king talk. And he had come and he had said, they're going to shoot so many arrows, it's going to blot out the sun. And Dynicus said to that man who was not their enemy, but they weren't in the war. And he said, well, that is good news. For then we shall have shade in which to fight. Now, Leonidas was so impressed with that statement that many of the Greek philosophers hundreds of years later equated the statement actually to Leonidas, even though he didn't even say it, because he would go around to the troops of the 300 and he would say, be not afraid, for we will fight in the shade. In other words, that spirit of faith, they didn't know faith in God, but they had faith in themselves. They had faith in their own training. They had faith in the, what they had been bred to do. But that's actually an accurate statement. That's a historical statement to say, we'll fight in the shade. If you do that many hours of love, that's okay, we'll fight. I mean, that is such a, there's such, I don't know what the word is. There's such, there's such majesty to that statement. There's such fearlessness to that statement. There is what we would call the spirit of faith, even though it's not faith in God. Do you understand? And I heard the Holy Spirit. I saw this scene. I saw all these arrows coming and I heard the Holy Ghost say these words. I'm trying to encourage you. I wouldn't normally share these things, but he said, share it on Sunday morning. So I am. I heard him say these words. That's this, this thing with the raining of arrows. That's what you were doing for two years in COVID. They went into the defensive formation and they put their shields up. That wasn't the time for them to move forward. That was the time to stand their ground. But the spirit of faith was on you. Heaven watched and was pleased. I'm telling you, I heard him talk to you as clear as I'm talking to you right now. He was showing me a scene of this moving forward. 
Then he's showing me what, which is what we're in now. Then he's showing me two years. It's felt like a rain of arrows. It's felt overwhelming. But that same faith, that same confidence that they had with that phrase, fight in the shade, God was saying, he was equating it to me. He was saying that same, but for us, yes, it's not just a, a wonderful statement, a fearless statement. It's the spirit of faith. And he said, I'm quoting you. I'm quoting him. He said, the spirit of faith was on you. In other words, during COVID, during the rain of arrows, during the attack, during shutdowns, during when other churches didn't open their doors because they were afraid, during all of this nonsense, it was like a rain of arrows. It was like a rain of attack that blotted out the sun. But as they had great fearlessness, I heard the Lord say, the spirit of faith was on you. Now listen to this phrase because it brings tears to, it brought, made me cry when he said it to me. Because all I really want is Jesus to be happy at the end of the day. And I heard him say the spirit of faith was on you. Heaven watched and was pleased. We don't realize, Jenny, that heaven watches things. We're so re- our, obsessed with our little lives. The Bible says there's a cloud of witnesses that are watching us from the banister rail of heaven. And I heard God say, while you were in this hard two years, son, heaven watched you and was pleased. Not that we're perfect. We didn't do everything right. But the spirit of faith is what pleases God. God liked the different spirit that was on Caleb. And he said, because of that spirit of faith, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to keep you strong. I'm going to give you a mountain home. I'm going to give you an inheritance. I'm not going to let your eyes grow dim or your muscles weaken or your brain weaken or your memory weaken because you've got great confidence in me. I will protect you, Caleb. God likes when there's a different spirit about us. He liked the David aggression when he said, I'll take you and your army. God likes it. God looked at people. I'm telling you, I know it. He looked at churches all over the world during COVID and heaven was not pleased with everybody. And that's not my place to judge him and I don't really care what they do. I keep my own backyard clean. But I heard him say, heaven watched you. The spirit of faith was on you. Heaven watched you and was pleased. And I I said, Lord, thank you. Lord, it means more to me than any compliment of any human being for you to compliment me that we handled COVID right. We handled COVID right. We're not afraid, and we're not afraid of sickness. We're not afraid of, we're not afraid of vaccines. We're not afraid of anything. We're not afraid. We're not afraid. You can't be afraid. The devil will kill you. We're not afraid. I'm not afraid. You can't be afraid of flying. You can't be afraid of driving. You can't be afraid of germs. You can't be afraid of animals. You can't be afraid of this, that, or whatever other phobia you've got. The spirit of faith is fearless. Joshua was fearless. Caleb was fearless. David was fearless. And I might say, because God said it, not me tooting my own heart, but I was fearless in this time. I know I was because the pastors called me and said, my God, you don't quit, do you? No, I don't. You can't handle this little nonsense. You know what's coming? There's a little rain. Monsoons are coming. Persecution's coming. You can't handle this. You're, gonna, you're not going to make it. He's pleased that we handled this right then. When you get to that church, you have the spirit of faith about you. You don't back down for anybody. Hallelujah. And I heard the Holy Ghost say heaven was pleased. That, that impressed me more than anything else. Then the scene changed. 
Remember, we're standing still. We're in a defensive position. He said, it's not time to move forward. It's time to stand still. That was then. But the first scene, there was movement, one foot at a time, movement forward. The scene changed, and then I was not at ground level. I was up at normal height level, and I saw this great horde of enemies. And the shields were up, and the enemies were pressing, pressing against the shields. And I, I don't know how to explain it, but the pressure of the physical bodies against our, I could say our because I knew this army represented us, against our shields was so intense. The pressure, the force of mass of human beings, hundreds of them, thousands of them pushing against us. I saw it's like we were on kind of like a, like a sand, not sand, but not like beach sand, but like just like it wasn't paved, obviously. It's like an ancient, but it's like just rough dirt and I saw the pressure and I, I saw the feet of the warriors on all the rows mainly the first five rows and they were being pushed back it's like they were sliding in the sand it's like the pressure was pushing them pushing them and they were literally sliding it looked about three feet they slid back but the ones behind them were holding the front rows up and as they were being pushed there came a point where the sliding stopped and then I saw, it's like they regained their footing and they went with their shields and they pushed back the enemies that were, and they pushed them back. And then they took a step and they went and they pushed and everybody. I saw it in a vision. Everybody was saying that kind of that grunt, the whole, the whole cube, the whole square was saying it in unison. The ones at the front were taking the greatest and the ones at the back weren't. But they all moved together and they all said, who? And when 400, 300 people say, who? And they say it aggressively, you can hear it. And I saw who? Like this. Who? Like that. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, it is time to move forward. Do not stand still. Little by little. I told you, son, day by day they would come until there is a great host. It is time now, one foot at a time, move forward, son. And then he paused and he said, what you saw in the sliding backwards. Remember, they slid. He said that that was the first two months of this year. And when I think back to what I went through in the month of January, and the month of February, it was so intense. But it seemed that when I got back from Philippines on March 5th, something was different. I don't know how to explain it to you in the natural. I never said anything publicly because I wanted to watch and test it out. But with that first Sunday back on the 6th of March, whatever that was, with the 6th or the 7th or whatever, we got back on the 5th, or it might have been the 6th. There was something different here. And I, and I just, I just kind of waited on God that week. What's different? I don't know what's different, but something doesn't feel as pressured as it was before and then that second week it was there again it was on the second week that he said to me day by day they came unto David until there was a great host and he said week by week day by day I'm strengthening you I'm strengthening promise of life I'm strengthening bodies I'm strengthening businesses I'm strengthening marriages I'm strengthening children day by day son week by week and then it was two weeks later which was this last week that I saw this sliding I'm telling you I saw it God doesn't always talk to me that way, but I saw it. I saw these, these ancient sandals, these war sandals everybody was wearing, and they were being pushed back the first few rows because the pressure was so strong. 
and they were being pushed back. And the Lord said, that's what the first two months of this year. He said, now, in, in the realm of the spirit, you lost some ground. The pressure was so great. He has pushed you back. But he said, did you notice that the sliding stopped? He said, that stopped when you got back from Philippines. I don't know why. I don't know if people were praying. I don't know what the reason was. But something changed at the beginning of March. And, and I felt that we were starting to make forward progress instead of losing ground. And that's when he's, I saw, go, oh, hmm. See, they were pressured and then they got their strength and they pushed and they pushed those enemies off them and they moved forward. The enemies hit them again and they moved, but there was no more sliding. They moved forward. It wasn't a run. It wasn't a long way. It was one foot at a time because there was great pressure on the shields, but they pushed forward and they pushed forward and they pushed forward and I saw them making forward progress. And he said to me that there is great pressure. Where do you get the word pressure from? The word press. The enemy is pressing against you even now. It's not as bad as it was the first two because it was like a charge and they pushed us back. But now it's balancing out. The, gauge, the battle of the engagement is balancing. And now we are making forward progress. I'm telling you in the spirit we're making forward progress. I don't know financially what we are because I don't look at the budget. But I'm telling you in the spirit we're making forward progress. Now there's still pressing pressure against the shield. But it's not causing us to slide. We are moving forward. But what did he say? Unity. Unity. Then the scene changed, Greg. And I seemed to be a little bit lifted up. A little bit, not far. Just enough, like maybe five, ten feet in the air. And I'm looking aerial at this group. The Lord said, this is your church. And there were exactly, I counted them, there were 30 warriors on the front row. I counted them. One, two, three. I was exactly in the middle. Jenny and I were number 15 and 16. But there were 30 warriors, and then there was another 30 warriors, and it was lines of 30, and it seemed that there was about maybe 12 to 15 lines. I didn't count how many lines back. And then I thought, after the experience, I thought, well, that's the size of our church. 10 rows, 10 rows of 30 wide would be 300. We have 400 and something. So I, I saw, it seemed what, about 12 or 13 rows. I counted the warriors, but I didn't count the rows. But it seemed that there was about 12. That's about the size of our church. But it was a perfect square. And everybody was dressed the same. Everybody was in unity. When we moved, we moved together. Everybody said, the ones at the front pushed. The ones at the back pushed the ones at the front. I'm telling you, I saw something spiritual. God is looking at this church. We may not be a mega church, but he's looking at this church and he's trying to tell us something. When you were in a season that broke many people, you laughed and you said, I'll fight in the shade. The spirit of faith was on you. Heaven watched and was pleased. It wasn't the time to move forward. It was a time to stand your ground. But now, now there has been a great assault and it has pushed you back. That's why you've been feeling what you've been feeling, son. But it has stopped and now forward progress is being made. And he said, from now forward, he didn't say how long, but I'm assuming forever. He didn't tell me an end date. There's no expiry on this. He said, now you move forward. But what impressed me, Sandy, was everybody 
was exactly the same. Dressed the same. Warriors with the same weaponry, the same dress. Everybody moved the same way, spoke the same way, unafraid. The spirit of faith moving forward. And I'm not out in the balcony somewhere watching like many pastors. I'm in the fray. I'm in the front and center. I'm leading the troops with my wife beside me. We are doing it together. I'm telling you, I can't explain to you something. These same things like closed visions, they can actually impart things to you. Not just knowledge, but something can come into you. I got an impartation by that vision. Some strength came into me I didn't have before. That's why I started to laugh. In that prayer meeting, I started to laugh. I see that Lord. I see that Lord. That was wonderful. It was wonderful, Greg. Because I'll be honest with you, when we were sliding back in January, February, I got, I'll be honest with you, I had thoughts. I had a lot of thoughts. They weren't from God. <laughs> but I had a lot of thoughts. I got job offers that you don't know about. I mean it. I can go places and make five times what I'm making here in the ministry and in the secular. The devil likes to give you options to try to get your heart to turn from the call of God. <laughs> but I'm not interested in anywhere other than where God has planted me. But I must say, I said, Lord, I don't know how much longer I can take this. The pressure is, I didn't know I was sliding backwards. It's not me, I'm doing anything wrong. It's there was an assault from hell. <laughs> I would never consider leaving. I'm just saying to you, don't think for a second that this is all I can ever do. Do you understand? I've been offered jobs over half a million dollars a year. I've turned them down. That's a heck of a lot more than I make at this church. And I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, I don't need you to survive. In fact, if I quit on you, I could drive a much nicer car. Have much nicer suits and live in a much bigger house. But it's not about the suits and the cars and the houses. It's about the plan. As Pastor Nancy says, the greatness of his plan is all that matters. And he has blessed me in that plan. And he told me years ago, he said, if you'll obey me, I'll make sure that you make more than what the world offered you. Now, I've been waiting 31 years for that. Hasn't happened yet, but it will. Somehow or another, it will. Without me quitting on my call, it'll happen. Because God doesn't ever let me suffer. Although there's a price to pay for ministry. And I've paid a price that people don't know about. But I'm not quitting. I don't care what people say, what people don't say, whether they like me, whether they don't like me, whether they offer me, whether they don't offer me. I'm not quitting because this is where God called me. And I've got a group. I've got a, a square of warriors, a phalanx of warriors that are with me. Sometimes I look at you, at your faces when I'm preaching, and I'm wondering if you're worthy of warriorship. Sometimes I look at you, you can't even show up in the building, and I'm wondering if you're worthy of what God called you. But I saw in that vision, every person, I guess God's calling it by faith because in reality, that's not true. But I saw every person in unity, unity of voice, unity of aggression, unity of strength, unity of mind, unity of dress, unity of movement. God was trying to say, tell the church to be unified. 
Tell the church to come together. Tell them not to fight amongst each other. Tell them not to talk about each other. Tell them not to have their little cliques where they hurt people. Tell them not to gossip and slander about each other. It's not a time for that. It's a time to come together because of the greatness of his plan and because there are enemies in front of us and we have to do it together to overcome this. Are you listening? Uh, you're not too bored. I'm almost done. I told you about the 30 wide. The, oh, yes. I, I looked. I, the scene changed about seven times. I looked. I was in a different position. I, I was facing the back. And there was like an ancient wall. Like, I guess, the wall of whatever city it was. And our group was at the very back. The last row was back right to the wall. But it, when we had pushed us, they pushed us right to the back of the wall. But then I, you know, they went, mm, and the enemies moved back, and they took that first step. And everybody took the step together. And then I saw it again and again, and I'm looking, and now the backs aren't to the wall. Because with every foot moving forward, now there's growing space between the wall and the last row of warriors. And then I saw a gate open in the wall, and I saw men come out, they were exactly the same looking as the rest of us. And they filed through the gate and formed a new row, making a new last row. And as we moved forward, more came through the gate and made another row and another row. I saw about three rows and then that vision ended. And I heard the Lord say, if you will move forward, I will add to your ranks. New people, fresh blood, people hungry for the word and the spirit. And I said, and some of them, Mary Chris, I'm telling you, some of them, they look more impressive than people in the fifth row and sixth row and seventh row in terms of their, the way they look physically. Some of them were, I mean, they looked like Mr. Universe. They were huge. They were muscle bound. And yet they're at the back. And I remember thinking, they need to be at the front. And I heard the Lord say to me, they have not been tested or trusted. So let leave them at the back for a season as they are trusted and tested. Move them up. Just because people come. Even if they've been in ministry, even if they've been faithful in other church, even if they're strong of spirit. They have not been trusted in this place. They have not been tested in this place. And there are seasons of testing and proving and trust has to be built and formed and earned. But if they will just stay in the back and be humble and move with me, God will promote them. Woo, glory to God. If you move forward with me, this church is going to grow. But I need you to move forward with me in the spirit. I need you to pray. I need you to be more faithful than ever. Give more than ever. Serve more than ever. Be in present. Be present with me more than ever. Evangelize more than ever. Do whatever God puts on your heart to do. This church will grow. I saw the people coming, filling in the back, Jenny. But he said, if you don't move forward, there's no room for me to add to your ranks. You must move forward in faith. So we're moving, my brothers and sisters. We're moving. Hallelujah. Uh, then he said this. 
the scene changed. I'm back at the front again, and I'm seeing this pressure. And it looked to me happy. I don't know how to explain it in English. Sometimes things of the spirit are hard to explain in English. But the enemies that were these other warriors, I didn't get a close look at any of their faces, but I could just see their, their armor and different things. And, and, and the, but they were pressing against that front row. They almost looked frenzied. I don't know how to explain it. It's like they were, it's like they weren't, we were calm and, 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 and what's the word? We were calm and measured. Mm. They were chaotic and frenzied, almost like they were, they were, like they were freaking out. And I'm thinking, what, 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 what is this that I'm seeing? Why are they frenzied like that? And I heard the voice speak to me. And he said, the enemy that is pressing against your shields is realizing that you can't be broken. And he is realizing that you are unafraid. And he is afraid. That's why I saw the frenzied behavior of the enemy troops. It's like they're, they don't know what to do. They, they, we can't, we can't, we can't kill them with our arrows. We can't kill them with our pressure. What are we going to do? How are we going to stop these people? There was a frenziedness about the enemy. I, I'm t- I don't say light of the devil. The Bible says you don't mock him. He's an ad- worthy adversary. Do you remember? Even Michael said, don't, 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 don't be careful what you say about Lucifer. Satan. I, I don't talk lightly when I say these things, but I heard God say, the enemy that is pressing against your shields is realizing that you can't be broken and that you're not afraid. And he is afraid. So he's desperately throwing things at you, trying to discourage you and stop you from moving forward. But son, and then he raised his voice. He said it just like, I'm going to say, just like I heard him say it. But son, ahead of you is nothing but victory. That's what I heard him say. Ahead of, and then he repeated it. Press forward for ahead of you is nothing but victory. It's like, it's like a a general crying, trying to troops. I didn't see Jesus as a general. I just saw us. But it's like I heard his voice. He's crying. Ahead of you. It's like this desperate cry. Ahead of you, son. It's nothing but victory. He's afraid. He knows you can't be broken now. He's thrown everything he has at you. And you stand and you move. But what kept repeating the whole vision was unity. 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 It wasn't me. I was in the same line as the first 30. I wasn't out front. There wasn't something special. As a group, we did it. You may not think you're important, but you are to God. You may not think you're a warrior, but you're dressed like one of those, whether you feel like it or not. You have a helmet of glorious salvation, a breastplate of righteous living, a belt of truth, shoes of peace, a shield of faith and a sword of the spirit. And you are a warrior whether you feel like one or not. God showed me you were. I thought I'd see some impressive warriors and then some raggedy warriors and then some underwear dressed warriors. That's what I thought because that's how I see some people in the congregation. But I didn't. Then I'm almost done. Then the scene changed and it seemed, I don't know how to explain it. It was like a light blue mist. It's hard to explain But it was like a light blue vapor was very strong on the front row, about half as strong on the second, about half as strong on the third, and by the fourth row it was very light, and then you couldn't see it on the rest of the rows. I said, Lord, what am I seeing? He said, that is strength, son. He said, the ones at the front are the strongest, and they stand with you, 
and they move. The ones behind, the strength has dissipated a little, but they're still strong. And the ones behind that, the strength has dissipated a little bit more, but they are working to get strong. I saw that there are ranks, but no ranks. We were all exactly the same, looked the same, sounded the same, moved the same, yet in some, Joey, there was great strength. In others, there was somewhat great strength. In others, there was strength. In others, there was half strength. In others, there was quarter strength. In others, there was very little strength. In others, there was no strength. And the further back you went, the less it went. But the Lord, but the Lord said to me, he said, but even the ones at the back are still your army. They are still dressed the same. They are still saying the same. They are still moving the same. Do not be discouraged. They will grow in strength. So listen, not everybody is going to be the same. What row are you in? Because if you're at the back, you should long to be at the front. But some people, I don't want to be at the front because there's pressure. I want to live my life the way I want to live my life. Yeah, I'll tithe. Yeah, I'll come. Yeah, I'll pray once in a while. But leave me alone. I'm busy. Those are back row warriors. You can still stay in unity with me, but God wants more for you. He wants that blue vapor, what I saw. I don't know how to describe it. He wants that over the whole group. But there are levels. Then the scene changed again. I was standing beside the furthest right-hand man, and I heard the Lord say, look up. And I looked up, and just about... 12 inches above our heads, I saw a group of angels that looked exactly like us in terms of armaments. They were in a square just like us. But they were above us, about a foot above us, and about 10 feet in front of us. They were in the air and they were fighting just like we were. They were moving just like we were. And they all had a bluish silver armor to them. And I heard the Lord say, the angels have gone before you. Remember the Bible says angels will go before you and bring you into the land? Angels are never behind you. They're in front of you. I saw them in that realm they were fighting. In that realm they were fighting devils. And we were lower and behind them, but we were fighting in our realm and they were fighting in their realm. I'm almost done. And then the scene changed and I'm looking and I see on this wall where the gate was, but on the wall it's like one of those ancient walls with like rivets or I don't know what you call them embutments or whatever, but I saw men standing and women. They were standing about five feet apart, maybe six feet apart, and they were all the way along the wall. And they were archers, and they had bows and arrows in their hand. And I would see them in perfect unity. They would pull their arrow all at the same time and put it in the thing, and they would, and they would release, and those arrows would go over our heads just to the army in front of us. The enemies in front of us and would slay. And some of them would fall by the arrows and some of them would fall by our shields and by our spears and by our swords. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, those are the intercessors, son. I heard him say, Merry Chris. I heard him say this. I swear I'm not lying to you. I heard him say, those are the intercessors. He said, their prayers go into the future. See, their prayers were going past where we were standing. They were going out into the enemy army. 
their prayers go into the future. In other words, they are dealing with things that we haven't even yet faced. And I heard a very simple, he didn't say much on them. He just said, tell them to keep firing. There are some people that maybe are not part of the front line. They're not as visible, but they're on that wall and they're praying. And they're praying. Praise God. And then the last image I saw the second, third, and fourth row lift their shields a couple times because the enemy was raining arrows on us and the front row was fighting viciously and they lifted their shields and their shields came just to like here. Not blocking my vision, but I could see in my peripheral the edge of the shield just above me and all the rainings of the enemy were hitting these shields, almost like a turtle formation. They were hitting these shields and they were bouncing off us. And I heard the Lord say, just because they're not in the front row with you, they have a very important role to protect you. And you couldn't do what you're doing if the row behind you isn't doing what they're doing and if the row behind them isn't doing what they're doing and if the archers aren't doing what they're... In other words, there was amazing complexity of war, but everybody was doing their part. Strength levels dissipated, but everybody was doing their part. And the final scene, as I saw, as we moved forward, the scene changed and I saw corpses. And as we moved, at first we were just doing this. But then after a while, we weren't just doing this. We had to lift our legs and do that. And we were, we were stepping over corpses. And as everybody, they would lift their leg and they would move because the slain ones of the enemy were under our feet. I saw it. I'm telling you, I saw it. And then it was an aerial view and I saw the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh row. As they're moving over, if there was any movement left, they would deal a death blow and they would move over. It was vicious. It was raw. It was ancient. It was aggressive. But it was right. My brothers, we have the spirit of faith. We are not afraid. We are Davids in our generation. We are Joshua's and Caleb's in our generation. We are. We are Paul's press forward. Say press. Press forward. I saw this all in about five minutes on Thursday morning. And it was, <laughs> it greatly encouraged me. We went through a season. Heaven watched and was pleased. It wasn't time to move, it was time to stand. But now, we've gone through a season of being pushed back. But now we're in a season of moving forward. I can't emphasize strongly enough to you, unity is absolutely critical. Whether you feel like you're, like you're exactly like the rest of us or not, whether you understand all the doctrine or not, whether you really enjoy coming to church, you might be further in the back rows, but just stay with me. Stay, stay with what we say. Say what we say. Move how we move. Dress how we dress. I don't mean like just about suits. I'm talking about conduct your life, how we conduct our lives. We are a unified group. Some have an have a archer ministry of more indecision. Others are dealing death blows. Others are protecting the ones in front. The front row is fighting. We're all moving. We're all going, yeah. We're all strong. We're all strong. And new ones are being added. And angels have gone before. And we're stepping over the corpses of our enemies.
Now, demons don't die. Do you understand that? I know that. I, I'm, you know, we're not stepping over physical people or it was symbolic that where there's an attacks against our health, against our finances, against our children, that we overcome those attacks and they fall before us as slain men and we step over them in absolute just, I got no time for you. I'm not, I'm not stopping this fight. I'm going. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' mighty name, I pray that this message for those that have felt the great pressure of war, the great pressure of attack, the great pressure of test and trial, the great pressure of temptation, the great pressure of darkness, for those that have struggled, for those that have told me and those that haven't told me, for those that have felt darkness and pushback in this season, let them be encouraged. You showed me as the pastor and leader of this church that we are going to overcome and that nothing, there's nothing but victory ahead of us. Move forward. It's time to press forward in unity, in joy, in one accord, in one mind, in one dress, in one voice, in one doctrine. It's time for us to keep moving forward. Lord, this is the first Sunday of April. We've had a month already of moving forward. Let us continue the aggressive assault against the enemies of our God in the spirit realm, in the prayer realm. Let us take ground. Father, as we move forward, add to our ranks. Angels, go before us and bring us into this land. We will not fight amongst each other. We will not be offended with each other. We will stand together in unity. And I thank you, Father, that this church day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, will keep moving into the fullness of your plan, the greatness of your plan. And many will be added until there is a great host. And we will fulfill the plan of God that you've given us corporately. And as we fulfill it corporately, we're also fulfilling the plan of God individually, privately, in our own careers, in our own businesses, because we put the local church first. We put the army of God first. You will make sure our individual lives are blessed beyond measure. Because we're planted in the house of our God, Psalm 92, we will flourish. I give you praise for it. I give you glory for it. Let this word strengthen their hearts today. If there's any weak among them, if there's any feeble among them, let them be strong today. In Jesus' name, I give you praise and I give you glory. And everybody said, amen and amen. Be richly, richly blessed. I don't care what we're facing, we're gonna make it. There's nothing ahead of us but victory. Nothing, there's still pressure. There's still pressure against the shield, but we are moving against that pressure. We are moving against that pressure. We are moving against that pressure. Bodies are being healed. Finances are changing. New people are being added. People are being filled with the Holy Ghost. Miracles are happening. The international works are coming. The aviation is coming. It's all coming to pass. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. The Lord is with us. Hallelujah.